everybody. My name is Greg Katz, and welcome to We RSC's Inside the Trojan Huddle, where we tell it like it is. Friends, Inside the Trojan Huddle is a game-like panel discussion with We RSC columnists, staff writers, and editorial board. We first start off with the pregame show, where we introduce our panel members for this edition of Inside the Trojan Huddle, and then we give you the latest USC football news. First, let's meet this week's panelists: Mark Culkin, We RSC columnist who writes the Monday Morass. Yay or nay, and Sunday takeaways in addition to regular season football and basketball practice reports. Chris Arledge, former William Jewell College defensive back, team captain, and we are SC uh, columnist who writes the popular column Musings with Arledge. Kevin Bruce, former all conference linebacker and team captain for the 1975 USC Trojans. We are SC columnist who writes defensively and offensively speaking after every USC game. And Greg Katz, that's me, your host and moderator of Inside the Trojan Huddle, and a weekly We RSC columnist who writes the obvious and not so obvious and IMHO Sunday. Well, before we kick off this edition of Inside the Trojan Huddle, here is the latest USC football news as of today's Monday taping. On Monday afternoon, the Trojans received a commitment from four-star corner Braxton Myers, 6'1", 188 from Coppell High in Capel, Texas, I guess they pronounce it Capel. Uh, Myers is expected to be, according to WRSC's Scott Trader, part of a huge June 16th through 19th recruiting weekend on campus. On Sunday night, the Trojans got a transfer portal commit from former Washington Huskies defensive back Jacoby Covington. Covington, 6'1", uh, 198 pounds, was originally a four-star prospect in the class of 2020 out of Suero High in Scottsdale, Arizona. And 2021 Bolitnikoff Award winner, wide receiver Jordan Addison visited the Trojans this weekend. Addison visited Texas the week before his USC visit. And according to WRSC's recruiting analyst, Scott Schrader is expected to visit Alabama and one other school before making a decision. And Butler Community College offensive lineman Cooper Lovelace announced last week that he will be enrolling at USC. Lovelace, six foot five, 325 pounds, will have two remaining years of eligibility. And also last week, the Trojans added another transfer in former Wyoming defensive end Solomon Bird. Bird is six feet four, 250 uh, pounder from local Palmdale, California, has two years of eligibility remaining. Bird entered the transfer portal in mid-March and had originally committed to Georgia Tech in late April. And the NCAA's Division I Board of Directors published new guidelines last week to clarify that boosters, including Recently created companies designed to provide athletes at a particular school with endorsement deals should not have any contact with prospective college athletes, their family members, or their representatives. And a quick uh, recruiting note, if you uh, missed it from early last week, uh, Trojans 2024 quarterback recruit uh, Dylan Riola committed to Ohio State. And finally, friends, we are SC's Inside the Trojans Huddle. Greatly appreciate your viewer and listenership. We appreciate and encourage those of you watching on sites like YouTube. Click on the red subscriber button and the like buttons. It's greatly appreciated and it is free. All right, let's get it on. First quarter, eliminating divisional play. Well, this is an interesting topic panel. There's discussion that the Pac-12 may eliminate the current North-South division model in 2023 and go to a new schedule model. In the 14-team ACC, there has been discussion for a 3-5-5 schedule model in which league teams would play three permanent opponents, then rotate through the rest of the conference over a two-year period. 
five one year and five the next. So let's do the kickoff here. Panel, would you be in favor of seeing the Trojans play a similar schedule in the like the ACC and eliminate the current Pac-12 North-South division play? And in a divisionless Pac-12 schedule, who would you like to see as USC's three or four permanent schedule opponents, as we traditionally do here on Inside the Trojan Subtle? We lead off with Mark Culkin. Your thoughts, please. Absolutely. Uh, I, I just wish we didn't have to wait till 2023. Um, scrap the divisions. I think the obvious choice is USC's three permanents are the three California schools. You're going to play Stanford, Cal, and UCLA. And, you know, as far as the next five, that's great. Uh, it also gives you a chance for an extra out-of-conference game. Um, so I, I know we're going to talk about that later on in the show. Um, I, I think the, the, the best part about this whole thing is it actually would, you know, and I, I wrote about this in my Monday morass is USC could actually play UCLA twice in a season. If things shook out the right way at the end of the year, uh, to, to determine a conference champion, because you're going to go with the best records. So, you know, you get rid of those divisions. You don't have to worry about playing a, you know, a five and three team from the North, um, which has kind of been the case lately. And this will definitely help with strength of schedule. So I, I can't see any negatives with it whatsoever. Well, I'll tell you what, if anyone's going to see negative, it's going to be Chris. So, uh, you know, you're looking, you're really looking like Superman today. I don't know. You know, if I put a pair of glasses on you, you're Clark Kent without a doubt, but be that as it may, I digress. Uh, Chris, good idea, bad idea. What do you think, buddy? Well, first of all, I'm a little bit surprised you when you said if anybody can see the negative, I thought it was at least 50 50. You were talking about Kevin. I mean, he is <laughs> he is every uh, bit as much as I am. No uh, question about people. that. No okay. question about that. Uh, okay. Um, so yeah, okay, I'll I'll focus in on the negative since that's what the people want. Um, that's not gonna solve the problem with the Pac-12. It's gonna continue to fall farther and farther behind the two conferences and make all the money. So uh, is that something that could be done? I guess. Look, most most uh, most conferences they play uh, eight conference games so they can add one more absolute nobody uh, in in the preseason, and that's what USC will do too. They're not going to replace they're not going to replace a conference foe with Ohio State or Florida. That's not what's going to happen. So uh, I don't, honestly don't care. Uh, what I would like to do, though, if if we go that route, I would like to make it where it's the the four California schools in in our pod. That makes sense geographically. It makes sense in terms of history. It also means that Oregon gets less opportunity to come down to play in Southern California, which I know will be uh, something that they hate because they want to come down here for recruiting reasons. So if we can screw them over in the process of doing it, then I'm all in favor. But I don't care one way or the other. Well, you know, I would have been disappointed in you, Chris, if you said, I don't care, because uh, we always know that when push comes to shove, you say, I don't care. And but I bet you Kevin Bruce does care, right, Kevin? He doesn't care either. I'll tell you right now, Kevin doesn't care. Go ahead, Kevin. Wait, wait, wait are you a ventriloquist, Kevin? Can I just know. I know Kevin. I know he doesn't care about this. Go ahead. All right. Kevin. First of all, let's welcome Kevin back. He's been on assignment. So, Kevin, tell me uh, exactly uh, what your thoughts are. You were in a conference where they weren't in divisional play back when you played. So, what what are your thoughts about going back to back to the future, so to speak? Yeah, look, uh, I'm looking forward to something that uh, uh, you know, Pac-12's got to go play football. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't give a crap who they put on the, on the schedule. 
That's um, an I don't care. That's a, Kevin, is that an I don't care? It sounds like an I don't care. Yeah, all right, all those in favor that it's an I don't care, raise hey, your hand. If it's an I don't care, I'll tell you I don't care. What I'm saying is <laughs> what I want to see is some uh, football coming out of the Pac-12 that's worth uh, uh, watching and uh, however it gets uh, uh, scheduled is, uh, you know, I'm ambivalent to some extent. I'm not ambivalent to uh, ruining the, more so than has already been ruined, the various um, uh, rivalries and, and really good schedules that have happened you know, over the decades that we don't, we don't see that uh, so much anymore. Oregon coming to Southern California, go, go home, get out of here, go to Eugene, stay away. Um, you know, good gracious. I mean, I, I, you know, frankly, they got to bail these guys out of jail so they can have practice on Monday and they can't read and write. Other than that, they got a beautiful thing going on. Uh, stay out, go away, let some real football teams uh, play some uh, real football in the Pac 12. Uh, and um, I would like to see, you know, some respect given to the very, you know, the, as we go from north to south, some of the, you know, the Washingtons. Uh, let's get to, to the, 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 the Stanfords. Let's get uh, UCLA. I don't play UCLA, UCLA twice. Just beat the crap out of them once is good enough for me. I'm, I'm good on that. Um, I don't need to see them twice. I mean, just do it again, whatever. Um, you know, it, it just the whole thing is just a, op, a an attempt to try to fix the wrong problem. The right problem to fix is competitive football in the Pac-12. Boom, full stop. There it is, guys. And the best thing that can happen to the Pac-12 is a dominant USC. All right. Well, I'm going to take the the stance that I have. I think some of the points were good. Uh, I take exception to a couple of them. Uh, first of all, I, I was not real thrilled when they went to North-South, but then there's so many teams in the conference that I think we would lose hope and interest uh, if, you, uh, if you have just one through 12. Uh, I, too, agree with Kevin. I, don't, I wouldn't want to see SC play UCLA twice, especially for a championship game. I mean, it's kind of like, been there, done that, so to speak. We've already played them once. Even if we lost to them, I, you know, I, I don't, you know, I would go, I don't care. You know what? Uh, beat them the first time. You don't have to worry about that, that type of uh, stuff. Um, you know, as far as the, the getting an extra conference game in, uh, I'm all for it if uh, we're playing in the days of Kevin Bruce when SC would line up against Oklahoma or Arkansas. Uh, Speaking of Arkansas, those of you that are watching on uh, YouTube, behind Kevin is a uh, black and white photograph. You can't kind of see Kevin. Actually, it's, it's a good behind picture of him. Uh, yeah, there you go. Kevin moves. That number 50 is our Kevin Bruce. And Kevin, of course, uh, tested me on who is that that they're playing. And so I, you know, they say every blind squirrel finds an acorn once in a while. And I said, that's Arkansas. And I was uh, correct. Uh, I didn't get any prize for that, but just the self-fulfillment. Uh, but and the uh, opportunity to brag on YouTube, apparently. Well, well, Chris, I don't know. What are you doing? You're hiding again on the video. People only we only see the the C there. What are what you, you in the phone booth changing into your are you, Superman outfit or what? I didn't know. I, I I'm uh, doing I this. I did, I did. I'm do, 
Yeah, go ahead. No, nobody's going to nobody's going to want to see that on the internet, Kevin. Uh, Greg, I, yes, I have sir. new equipment, and and I'm not sure how it works. So if I disappear, that's why. I mean, last last week I dropped off completely. This time I'm at least here, so I can hear and speak. Well, out of the kindness of my heart, even though a a contributor to the YouTube uh, comments was quite uh, bashing me. Uh, for uh, allowing the question that Mark pays you to, uh, so that he can be on the, but let's say- Wait, whoa, 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 it wasn't pays Chris. I thought it was pays the show. Well, you know what? Okay, you know what? This is very good. We're going to save this to the, the last uh, panel yeah, question. Right, at least. And we're going to get it. We're going to get this thing right. If I make it through to the end, I can't <laughs> promise that. All I'll right, all right. Hey, guys, <laughs> I'm the captain here. Time out. It's, we are talking football now. Come on. This this is all silly shit. Oh, excuse my language. No, no, we're on cable. That's permissible. Okay, great. Good to know. Um, can we please talk about football? Thank you. Very yes, much. we can talk about football. And I think what we'll do is we'll go into the second quarter. NIL adjustments. The NCAA's Division One Board of Directors. Oh, let's talk about football. So we end up with NIL. Okay, great. Well, if you had been coming through this era, Kevin, I know you. You would have said, "I don't play unless it's uh, five hundred thousand NIL." That's that's where we'll begin the process. And don't tell game? me you wouldn't do that. Is that per game or what? <laughs> well, there you go. That that answered that. So let me let me uh, again repeat for those that we kind of kind of got cut off there. The NCAA's Division One Board of Directors published new guidelines last week to clarify that boosters. Includingly, including recently created companies designed to provide athletes at a particular school with endorsement deals should not have any contact with prospective college athletes, their families, or their representatives. So here's your question. Do you think that past deals across college football landscapes should be investigated? And does this new NIL booster interpretation concern you regarding the Trojans? And appropriately, let's go with Kevin Bruce to start us off. No, I mean, look, as long as the rules, which there weren't any to speak of, were followed, then there's 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 nothing to pursue. I mean, they did they and everybody else signed up to a a um, a Wild West uh, show, uh, which was a show me the money situation. And look, um, it were as good as anybody else when it comes to show me the money. So too bad. Uh, if the NC2A wants to do something, I'll see you in court. See in court, and good luck with that because you're going to have players lined up on that one, and there's going to be a lot of players, let alone others that are going to be um, pretty keen about the uh, big-time dollars that uh, uh, are uh, uh, in dispute. Mark, your thoughts on this? I know you wrote about some of it. Uh... I, I, be honest with you, I'm still trying to understand what – what they're trying to recreate that they've already created. How are you going to go backwards <laughs> with this? Um, telling them they can't be in contact with the people who are providing the funds. Yeah. Uh, I, I, honestly, how do you go backwards? Yeah. Are you going to ask these, you know, these young men to go testify? This is what I got. Okay. So, so now what? what what's yeah, the next step? Exactly. Are you going to, exactly. You, I mean, Look, the NIL rules were followed. I mean, if the NC2A changed mind, well, good for them. They do that kind of silly stuff all the time. Too bad. The rules were followed. Guys got paid. Get over it. 
I'm yeah. glad they got paid. Look, I wish I could have gotten paid. Screw they, yeah, they have to put some sort of barriers in place, right? As Kevin said, right now it's kind of a wild, wild. No, they, they don't. They don't have to put barriers in place. Honestly, they need to follow the rules. Well, Kevin, it hasn't, a, it, Kevin, nil. In, in my opinion, always, it wasn't put in place to be a signing bonus out of high school, and that's what it's turned into. And that's it wasn't put. It wasn't put in place at all. The NCAA is is in is an unlawful anti-competitive right. enterprise and the Thank court you. simply has started striking down their deals. Nothing was put in place. Look, when it comes to this new interpretation, um, it's fake, it's pretend, it's not even real. Exactly right. First of all, first of all, the rule does not say that, that the boosters aren't allowed to contact athletes or their families. It talks about prospective uh, students, meaning while they're being recruited. But once they sign, once they sign, as I understand, the rule doesn't stop people from contacting them and signing them up at all. That's number one. Number two, if you look at what the NCAA said afterward, they said, well, this doesn't have anything to do with the eligibility of the student athletes. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Yeah. So, right. so what you're saying is that boosters shouldn't contact the athletes, but if they do and the athletes do a deal, the athlete still is eligible. Okay. It's like Kamala That's, Harris word salad. It's, it makes no it's sense. It's another, yeah, it's another way. <laughs> Kamala Harris word, word salad. salad. That was going to work. Mark, 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 that was a good, that was a good one. Hey, what is this? We're turning into meet the press? What, what, I mean, it uh, just made no, state of the union? concept makes no sense. It, well, look, it, it, it would, it might make sense to say that, that if you're not yet enrolled at a school, then people shouldn't be throwing money at you and asking you to come to the school on that basis. That's what, that's what people who are freaked out about this, but they tend to be freaked out about. What I'm saying is the NCAA is not going to do anything about it. If the players are still eligible, then the rule doesn't have any teeth. And by the way, it has to have no teeth because if they in fact found somebody ineligible, and if that person then sued the NCAA, which they would do, Absolutely. all you would do is drop in front of the federal district court judge, the Supreme Court opinion that essentially said the NCAA is an unlawful monopoly, and they would fold. It doesn't mean anything. Nothing's going to mean anything unless you make student athletes um, employees, employees and you have employees. a collective bargaining agreement, or if you have legislation that actually sets rules. Congress could do whatever they want with this and they could get away with it, but Congress doesn't seem interested in jumping in and helping the NCAA. So the, the, this new rule, it's meaningless. It's a nothing burger, guys. It truly, honest to goodness, it is a nothing burger. And there, the NCAA has no, no juice and no authority to enforce a dang thing. Sorry, nice try guys. Matt Pack, bring it on. If I, if I was on the other side of that deal, Oh my gosh, I would love it. I would love it. Well, I'll just say this. I, you know, NIL now stands for now it's legal. And I don't know how you put it back into the box and try to go, oh, uh, oh, and by the way, uh, I think the whole thing is screwed up. Uh, you know, I don't think we can go back in time. Uh, wherever we're headed, you got me, but I kind of yeah. yearn for the days a little bit when guys went to college and the school paid for it. And I know that there's a lot of things that go into it. And, you know, where's my, where's my take on this? I'm playing for you. This isn't the NFL. Uh, and yes, players have been taking money under the table for, I don't know, how yeah, I, long, forever in a day, but 
I don't know. I guess I'm somebody wrote on YouTube that I lived uh, prior to 1980. Uh, and you know something my feeling is why why create rules unless you're going to enforce them? And if you're not going to enforce the rules you have, then don't have rules. Wow. It's ridiculous. R respectfully, the NC2A can make all the dang rules they want. They can't enforce that which they have no authority to enforce. And if they want to, you know, try it, go for it because they're going to be slammed hard by by players who have been paid a lot of money or need to be paid, want to be paid a lot of money that's been now restrained from them. Well, you know, that's a great conversation we can have in the future because I think uh, we, some of us, we all see it from different directions. Now, now that was a weak bill. That was much better. It's halftime. And here's your question panel. The NCAA uh, football oversight committee has recommended conferences no longer be required to have divisions to hold conference championship games. If division play is eliminated, how would you decide who would be in the Pac-12 title game? Or should there even be a Pac-12 championship game? Uh, Chris, what do you think? If you don't have divisions, I don't know why you'd have a conference championship game. The, the whole point of the conference championship game was because not everybody played each other. And so that was the easiest way to determine who's actually the conference champion. So if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna have divisions, then I don't see a point. You might as well just uh, just uh, have the, the team with the best record be the conference winner. And the only reason they won't do that is because it makes money to play the extra game. So there you go. But, I don't, but there's no reason there's no reason on the field. I mean, if 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 USC goes goes nine to zero in uh, in conference play, do they really have to play somebody with two losses that they probably beat earlier in the year? It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, uh, I uh, think that that uh, is really food for thought. Kevin, what do you think? Yeah. I, look, um, a champion, if, if a team, USC, goes 9-0, to Chris's point, that, or any team for that matter, goes 9-0, and undefeated, and what have you. It's, just, it's when you get into the eight and ones and, the, and, and those. It's how you make a determination of, of a um, championship because the championship team is the one that's going to represent the Power Five, right? You know, which we're still part – Pac-12 is still part of, at least for now, right? Uh, don't hold your breath on that too, too dang long. Um, and, and so – you know, how you determine that is—is that is some interest? Um, a football game is always a great way to solve those kinds of things. But you know, an, an additional game—you know, playing somebody twice is stupid. Honestly, I got to tell you. I mean, if you don't think that's true, what you know, what Utah did you know, last year was kind of interesting. Um, I just the the whole underpinnings of the college football um, traditions. Uh, have been uh, pulled out from under uh, the very the, the entire the entire uh, construct, um, it, 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 it's such that you, you know the bowl games don't matter with respect to how their their old connectivity. The Rose Bowl is a great bowl game, still the most watched, but it's it's not the Rose Bowl as it used to be, right? It doesn't it doesn't dictate the same thing. Those are the types of traditions. You know, obviously, I, I had a point of view on that. Those are the types of traditions that are lost, gone forever. So as far as I'm concerned, pay the NIL, get, get you know, other conference things going on, uh, do a round robin, uh, bring in 16 teams. I, I honestly, 
to Chris's point, you know, minutes ago, I don't care. Let's just go play some football. And there, there it is. Don't care. Mark, do you care? Uh, if, if there's no, if we're going round Robin and you're nine and oh, yeah, you don't need to play the extra game. It, it, the conference championship game was created for money period. It was, it was it's not a PAC 12 thing. This was a sec thing. You know, a, the conference championship game was created strictly for revenue period. Yeah. So, oh, by the way, let's be clear. Revenue is NC2A revenue, which takes me right back to my carpet on the mill uh, situation. That is NC2A money. That is, and, and it goes to the universities. None of it goes to the players. Not a dang dime. Right. So you think it should go to the players? Given today's environment, yeah, sure. Okay. Pay, pay them. This is, look, the NFL, USFL, NC2A. I'd rather watch the NC2A than, frankly, NFL or the uh, USFL. I think it's a better product. Um, I'll tell you, I still go back to the divisions. I think if you have a championship game, it's a division. I think if you look at almost all sports where they have divisions, teams play each other a second time, a third time. They play during the regular season. So I don't have a problem with that. Um, I do see, I actually do see the championship games as an elimination process as a playoff before the playoffs. So I, I might feel differently if they expand to 12 teams for a, uh, you know, uh, college football playoff. If they well, that's the play. direction it's going. So that's, that's really, it's kind of like we can answer the question how we're, how we're playing the schedule now, but I, I think we'll all agree that the playoffs are going to be expanding when the TV leagues kind of form themselves. I mean, you have the Alliance, which is the, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and, and the ACC. They're going to be one TV league. You're going to have the, the Big 12 and the SEC and maybe another conference join them to be another TV league. And that's really what it's going to, that's when we should have this discussion because then you're, you know, we're, Nick Saban brought up parity. This is, I think, what he was talking about. You're going to have 64 power teams and everybody else. So, yeah, the conference championship game is going to meet. It's going to be meaningless regardless. All right. Well, I think this is going to be something that's going to be ongoing. And before we begin our second half, a reminder that you're watching or listening to ERC.com's Inside the Trojans Huddle. This week's WeRSC panelists include Mark Culkin, Chris uh, Arledge, Kevin Bruce, and I'm Greg Katz. We also encourage you to check out WeRSC.com, part of the On3 Network. Become a subscriber to the best coverage of USC football and Trojans athletics. And as a bonus for the curious, WeRSC is currently offering a WeRSC seven-day free trial, which includes monthly or yearly payment options to view our exclusive on three content. That includes breaking stories and analysis and data for USC football, basketball, and the balance of USC athletics. All right, it's second half kickoff time, and we start off with this. Panel, if the Trojans could add another non-conference game to their schedule in 2022, who would you like to see the Trojans play and why? And where would you like to see the game played? Mark, you're up. Oh, there's so many good answers for this one. So yeah. uh, it's staring us all in the face. Oklahoma in Norman. Thread. I don't think so. That, oh. I don't think so, Commodore. No. Uh, 
right, Mark, uh, go ahead. You want to finish up your comments? No, look, the first of all, the buildup for it would be incredible. Um, to, to have USC walk into that type of animosity, um, I, I think would be great for the team, for the mm -hmm. fans that travel. Why not? You know, Kevin, you can be all over the place, but that is a made-for-TV event waiting to happen. Lincoln Riley coming back to the place that he basically kicked oh, to the curb? I, my, my point, uh, my understanding of the question is on an ongoing basis, not just a one-off game, right? So no, I, I I saw I strictly put the question is in 2022 you had one game, not necessarily a series, but one game. What would you like? Uh, you could add a non-conference game to their schedule in 2022. Who would why, you why play it in? And why play it? They play it in the Coliseum. They'll travel. Okay, great. Okay, I answer the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, there's nothing to be sorry about on inside the Trojan subtle. We just uh, no, there's it, plenty to be sorry about. <laughs> <laughs> you may you may feel differently after Chris is next up. So, Chris, your thoughts on it? What does that mean? Um, no, look. Obviously, the Oklahoma choice this year would be a great choice, just because of how upset Sooners fans are. And I'm, I have a message for Sooners fans soon, so I'm not going to pick on them right now. Uh, but I'll pick on. I'll, I'll choose someone else. I'd like to. I'd like to play Michigan. Just because I miss the old USC Michigan games, uh, I love the uh, I love the uniforms, I love the uh, uh, the bands. So I I play Michigan and I play them in Rome, just because I want to go to Italy. It has nothing to do with football. There's absolutely no reason to play that game anywhere other than the big house or the Coliseum. But that's where I put it, just so I have an excuse to take that trip and get sick again. Maybe, maybe, but that's okay. All right, so Kevin, let me ask you a question. Now, you, you're a player, and you played in many places that you thought was probably a lot of fun and very intense at Notre Dame, obviously. Uh, but if you could pick a game to play uh, just for 2022, a non-conference game, who would you like to play, and where would you like the game to be played at? I'd love to play Alabama. Sorry, guys. And we're not ready for it. I know that. That's not the point. The point is that's what we should be striving for. Bring them on. Bring them in. Let's see what see what we can do. Let's what see would, how you, what would you like the game to be played at? I'll play to the Coliseum. You I, don't I, want I'm to not, go to Tuscaloosa? I, I, no, heck, no. We're not going to play it in Dallas. We're not going to play it in uh, whatever, whereverville. Uh, let's come to the Coliseum and let them travel, let them get off the bus, and let's just see if, if we got uh, enough good guys to, to, to uh, make that a competitive ball game. I'd love to see, I would love to see that. I, but look, you know, to your point earlier, uh, I'm old school on that stuff. Um, I was, you know, brought up in the play anybody, anywhere, anytime. I don't care. Let's go. And I still, I, I, I think that way. I'm not naive. We're not ready to play Alabama, but something to shoot for go for it go for it to totally agree um i'm gonna i'm gonna go with chris on this one i'd like to see sc play michigan but not not in rome at the coliseum uh it'd be great to see how the ncaa could refurbish the coliseum in rome to, <laughs> to put people in there kind of like what they do with the field of dreams uh that would be a challenge but uh i would uh, i'd like to see sc play in the big house you know, that's one place I haven't been. Yeah. 
And, you know, everybody always tells me, you know, you, you see it on TV, it doesn't do it justice in person. It's really like you walk from the very top down and just to see the whole configuration. But my other place I'd like to see SC play uh, for some reason is I'd like to see SC play at Wisconsin. And everybody tells me that playing at Camp Randall Field is like uh, just so much fun. And I did see Wisconsin and UCLA yeah. play in the Rose Bowl. And the fans of Wisconsin are great. And I love their fifth quarter yeah. uh, with the chicken dance and the whole, you know, their whole tradition. So seeing SC, I like to see SC play games away. So Michigan would be one. And uh, obviously, um, you know, uh, uh, Wisconsin would be the other. I agree with Kevin. <laughs> if SC is up to playing uh, in Alabama, I actually, I wouldn't mind going to see a game in Tuscaloosa, to be honest with you. Uh, but we have to be on the top of our game. I don't want to go see a non-competitive game. I and, and I'll tell you what, as far as playing at Oklahoma, I don't know, would Lincoln Riley get all fired up to, to go back there and take that abuse? He might need to have about uh, 40 of those state troopers uh, to bring him in in one of those, uh, like the Pope Mobile or something uh, while he's there. But it certainly would be a festive atmosphere. No, no question about it. So, uh, it's certainly food for thought, and we may be seeing an extra conference game in the future if uh, if they don't go uh, if they go, go out of division. So, speaking of that, uh, you know what time it is as we get ready to transition to the fourth quarter. Uh, we begin, of course, with our favorite segment. According to some of you listeners, you know what I'm doing here. It's uh, time for the symbolic uh, Chris Arledge Coliseum torch. In lieu of the traditional USC marching band's rendition of the William Tell Overture, we are going to bring you a the musings with Arledge. Now, if I could just fire this baby up. Uh, here we go. It's looking good. So, folks, uh, strap onto your seatbelts. Mr. Arledge is about ready to pontificate. I have no idea what he's going to talk about, but we're going to find out now. So, Chris, give us some musings. Thanks, Greg. I have a couple thoughts today, and I want to start with I want to start with my friends, the Oklahoma Sooners fans, because it's been a number of weeks since I talked to them. And guys, I'm sorry about that. Uh, I, I didn't mean to neglect you. I've been a little bit busy. And to be honest, I've been trying to give you some space. I know you've been working through some things lately, and um, and and so I wanted to let you do that. But I do have an update for you, and something of a caution. So Lincoln Riley, you guys remember him. He's a nation's best quarterback coach and developer, and he's now managed to place himself in the best location in the country by far to recruit star quarterbacks. He's likely to have his pick of the best quarterbacks in the country just about every year for the foreseeable future. He's also living in a $17 million mansion with views of the Pacific Ocean in a neighborhood full of movie stars. He can go to the best restaurant in town if he wants. He can get great seats to any event he wants but he can also live in relative anonymity. He can go to the grocery store. Nobody gawks at him because here he's a relatively minor celebrity. My daughter is a server at a prominent LA restaurant. She called me the other day and told me that she was currently in the process of serving Paul McCartney, Tom Hanks, Woody Harrelson, LeBron James, and Adele in a single night. Now, nobody pays attention to Lincoln Riley in LA. He has all the benefits of wealth and fame, he has a job where he can dominate, and he doesn't have to live in a fishbowl. Now, Oklahoma fans, of course, look at this state of affairs, and they ask themselves, what could possibly motivate Lincoln Riley to leave us and go have that? 
And the conclusion, a unanimous conclusion among Sooner fans is just bad character. The only explanation is that Lincoln Riley is a really bad person, who, by the way, we're now told is a terrible coach, always has been, and they're better off with him. <laughs> well, I have a quick, I have a quick leak and update for you, OU fans, and a warning. The other day, Lincoln Riley threw out the first pitch at Dodger Stadium in front of 50,000 fans and a television audience. You know this already because you're still stalking your old flame. So why do I tell you? Well, I tell you because I know that Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams and 55 to 19 have you guys a little bit sensitive. And you're probably more focused on USC these days than you should be. So I know many of you, when you saw this news about Lincoln Riley throwing out the pitch of the Dodgers game, thought, we need to start a campaign to have Brent Venables also throw out the first pitch at a Dodgers game. Not the L.A. Dodgers, obviously, they're too far away. The Oklahoma City Dodgers. The AAA affiliate for the L.A. Dodgers is really close to you guys. They average about 6,000 fans per game, but I'm sure the fans are a raucous affair. And you guys know if you can play loudly enough, and let's be honest, we know you can, the Venables can probably throw out a first pitch there also. Tit for tat. You guys get your revenge. And listen, if he does, that's great. Go and support him. Cheer loudly. I just want you to be careful. Because if that happens, I don't want you to think too hard about the irony of the situation. I don't want you to think too hard about the fact that the Oklahoma team that you're there to support exists for one and only one reason. To develop players and coaches so the best ones can leave, go to L.A. and play under much brighter lights. If you dwell on that too much, it might hit too close to home and it might make you sad. And I don't want that. Now, my last thought. Nick Saban news. Nick Saban apparently is concerned about parody in college football. <laughs> this is, we now understand, a great love of his. Yes, parody, the thing that's always mattered to Nick Saban, who wishes every college football team in America could go 6-6 six and six every single season. Listen to what Nick had to say. One of the things I'd like to see us be able to work back to is everything in college football has always had parity. I don't think we have that balance right now, which could affect the parity of college football and college athletics as a whole. Everything in college football has always had parity. Uh, uh, okay, Nick. Well, look, I'm sure Vanderbilt's excited to hear about your new love of parity. I guess this means you'll be sending some of your five-star recruits their direction, and I'm assuming they're excited about it. If anybody out there in, in, uh, in cyberspace can locate a Vanderbilt football fan, ask them, and let's try to confirm that. Look, Nick, college football has never had parity, and you seem to have always been fine with that. You use every advantage at your disposal to win, as you should. Nick Saban's concern isn't parity. is that the landscape he has dominated is changing, and when you're king, change is bad. Now, I don't really fault him for that. I get it. He wants to stand athwart history yelling stop. If you know the reference, let me know. And if he wants to couch his argument against these changes that, uh, that threaten his throne and he wants to say it's about parity, fine, Nick, knock yourself out. I don't have a problem with it. I do fault you for this. Listen to this quote. I think NIL is great for the players. They should have an opportunity to earn money. I'm fine with all that. Really? Nick Saban is all in favor of players making money. See, now I'm confused. Nick Saban has been the most powerful man in college football for the better part of a decade. Nobody is listened to more closely. Nobody has a bigger bully pulpit. And if Nick Saban at any point in the past 10 years has said, I think players should be making money, I haven't heard of it. But I thought, well, maybe I missed it. 
So I Googled. And you know what? Nope, I still don't see it. In fact, back in 2019, when this NIL issue was first coming to a head, somebody asked Nick Saban what he thought. Did he speak out in, favors of, in favor of players getting paid? No. He refused to offer an opinion and said he's solely focused on his team. You know what? I believe he was solely focused on his team, and I believe he still is. Nick Saban has more money than his grandkids will be able to spend because college football is a hugely successful business. But up until five minutes ago, Nick never had any interest at all in sharing that money with any players. He never spoke out about it when he was the biggest, most important person in college football for many, many years. And that's the truth. Nick Saban is fine with players getting paid. Nick Saban really misses parody. Save us the speeches, Nick. You're focused on your team. We know that. We also know you like things just the way they were, and we all know why. Self-interest. And there you have it. Another Musings with Arledge, which is the perfect segue to go into the fourth quarter. All right. So, panel, uh, let's get this out of the way. I think this will be amusing. What is the funniest experience you have ever had a USC football game, home or away? Kevin, you were a player, but I think I know one of your funny experiences, but I'm going to let you talk about it. It might be different than the one I'm thinking about. So give us a funny experience. Yeah, uh, well, I'll, I'll give you an interesting one that for some would be funny. Um, coming out of the tunnel at Notre Dame and a – Notre Dame fan, I guess, uh, reached, uh, just stooped over the, uh, the railing and threw up all, all over my uniform, my shoulder pad uh, area in particular, which I had to endure for the entire um, first half before we could uh, change that out. And even then, my, you know, I still smelled like uh, cheap, uh, you know, uh, bourbon. And it was cheap bourbon, right? So it's, it's kind of like a Notre Dame thing, I guess. So anyway, that was interesting. For some, it was funny. I laugh about it now. I didn't laugh about it then, but uh, it was pretty pretty darn. Um, it was memorable. <laughs> that's that's for sure. <laughs> he did say some things, but it was unintelligible, which is t typical for Notre Dame, frankly. <laughs> well, I hate to use this term, but thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> Mark, uh, let me ask you, my friend, what is you, you know, you've gone to a lot of SC games, of course, in, in the stands and stuff, and you transitioned to the media. Uh, I don't think anyone has, well, maybe somebody has thrown up on you. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but what is a memorable, fun thing that you remember, home or away? So, and, and forgive me for this, but I think probably watching a Cal fan tumble from the top of section 13 all the way down the stairs. All seriously, almost all the way to the bottom, to the front row, because he missed a step and he was a little drunk. Um, that was kind of funny. And he actually stood up and walked back to a seat. So he was okay. Uh, but watching it was, it was like a, I was just waiting for the Benny Hill music to, to follow along with it. Um, other than that, not a whole lot. You know, I, I remember being in Tucson one time and just you know, walking, waiting, just getting to the stands and I kind of got grappled by a, a young lady. Um, 
tested my tonsils out out of the blue. It was kind of cool. But other than that, now I, it's it's been if it's happening, I'm not noticing. I'm I'm pretty focused on what's going on in the field. So sorry. That's all right. I thought maybe you're going to say the guy went back to his seat and then he decided to do it again, which was which would have been that would have been that would have been funny. That would have been, uh, been even funnier. <laughs> All right, Christopher. What have you? What What do you remember that uh, strikes your uh, fancy? You remember that USC UCLA game? I can't remember the year. I, I had forgotten you were going to ask this question. I didn't look it up, but this was the year. It was Pete Carroll against Rick Neuheisel, and with USC <laughs> comfortably with the ball, the timeout game. Rick, yes, yeah. Rick Neuheisel decided to call a timeout to stop the clock at which point Pete decided to run a play action pass and throw about a 50 yard touchdown pass, which, and the UCLA fans and players absolutely lost it. I loved that. I loved it so much. You want to keep playing Rick? We'll keep playing. I thought it was beautiful. It was well-deserved and it is it. And it wins out over, over the Notre Dame game. USC had beaten Notre Dame by 31 points, two straight years. The Trojans were up 24 points, 24 points in the fourth quarter. And Pete Carroll ran. It was a fake punt, right? A fake punt so that uh, so that he could get one more touchdown on the board and make it 31 point wins three straight years. I thought that was hilarious, too. I uh, and and I guess that I guess in both cases, you're talking about really rubbing it in against uh, against your rival in a way that uh, that the rival would be would think is uh, is not very sportsmanlike. But I didn't care. I thought it was hilarious. What was so great about the Pete Carroll timeout call was he wasn't there the next year. He took off to Seattle. So it was the ultimate rub your face in it. We should refer to him now as Professor Pete Carroll now that he's got his Dr. Carroll. doctorate degree from the University of Pacific. Yeah, how about that, huh? Uh, Pete said he was humbled, humbled. Uh, I don't think I don't ever see Pete. There, no, there's no way in the world Pete Carroll is humbled. I'm no, sorry. no, it ain't <laughs> give, happening, give, my friend. It's not happening with Pete. Sorry. Nah, nah. So nice and, 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 and you know what? I'm okay with that. Remember, uh, somebody had asked, uh, somebody mentioned to Winston Churchill that they had uh, that they had met him. I, mean, I think it was Clement Attlee. It was, it was one of the prime ministers that came after him. And they said, uh, they said, yeah, he's a, we met, met him. Uh, he was a very humble man. And Churchill said, yes, with much to be humble about. Uh, Pete <laughs> Carroll doesn't have much to be humble about. It doesn't bother me that much that uh, he was not humbled. He's earned that. He's earned that doctorate. Well, I will conclude this segment by saying the one that I, I was, and I've mentioned this a little bit before, so I'm, I'm maybe repeating for some people who've watched our shows in the past. I thought the uh, Bush push game afterwards was absolutely, I was just laughing myself to death inside. Not because that SC had won, of course, I was euphoric about that, but getting back on, uh, uh, I guess it was the uh, transportation system. They had to take people out to parking lots far away at the time I wasn't in the press box. And I have never, ever seen the vial coming out of Notre Dame fans' mouths. I mean, the F word was flying like champagne on New Year's Eve. I mean, it was, I mean, all of these holy rollers were, they were losing, you know, they're always, uh, I know that when, and I, Mark will attest to this, of course, you get, when you go to Notre Dame Stadium, the minute you hit an elevator, they always say, welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. We're happy to have you here. 
is kind. I mean, even even when they've lost, which was in between, you know, but this loss, that was personal. That was like, okay, this takes it to a whole new level. And I remember just starting to actually starting to laugh uh, when I sat down in my seat. And of course, there were Notre Dame people on the transportation bus, and they just could not stop talking about it. The thing that amazed me is they they couldn't stop talking about how the game was won and the referees gave them more time to do it. They, nobody really paid much attention at, at that moment to the bush push, but they were saying, we got ripped off. This was a rip. It was no, no talk about we haven't cut the grass in 300 years uh, and all the other stuff that went with that game. You know, uh, but it was, to me, one of the funniest things that I have not laughed out loud at uh, in, a, in a long time. So that is my fa- uh, funniest memory. So with that, let's transition into overtime panel. Uh, we're in overtime. It's time to answer some viewer questions and panel answers in a free-for-all answer format. Those of you that are uh, viewers of this uh, uh, pod or listeners of the podcast or viewers, uh, if you'd like to ask the panel a question, go to wrsc.com. Go to either the Gary P or the WeRSC members message board at wrsc.com. From there, you'll see the topic thread regarding questions or inside the Trojans huddle. We've got a couple here, and we're going to end up with a final question that I think is going to be amusing at some level. Uh, question one is from JM641 in the Midwest. He says, last week you guys commented on the various way too early rankings are out there, and I think the consensus was that something in the 10 to 15 range seemed reasonable. However, given that we are the proverbial one play away from this being a Miller-Moss-led team, what ranking do you give uh, do you think is appropriate if the Trojans, God forbid, end of the season with him at the helm with CW lost for the season? Okay, jump in, guys. What's it going to be? They're going to play good football. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, they're going to play good football. It may be there's a game difference you know, on the one loss uh, situation uh, on that. Uh, maybe, maybe bit more I, I, I the games are still going to be close the defense is still going to have to play which is to me always the biggest question right now I think Miller Moss has showed that he he can he can quarterback he can he can ball so yeah wouldn't break my heart yeah I didn't see that question Greg I apologize for the you know the headlight stare right there um Miller Moss is going to be surrounded by a lot of talent and Miller Moss was a highly recruited quarterback coming out of high school so you know, if we if you think back what what Coach Riley talked about after spring camp or towards the end of spring camp, he was singing the praises of Miller. I mean, he had he has grown. He was talking about his confidence. So you know, you're surrounding him with a lot of talent, a lot of experience. You're giving him a running game. He's got an offensive line that could potentially be one of the best in the country. Um, you're, the question was, where should they be ranked going into the season? Yeah, I mean, if Miller Moss was the uh, right now, right back. where they're at, yeah, right where they're at. They like like Kevin said, they got to play the game. So the only thing that changes between Caleb and Miller, as far as I'm concerned, Caleb is obviously going to take off and run more frequently than Miller would. So that's the difference in my eyes. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna dissent a little bit. Um, the guys are right. Miller Moss is a talented kid. Uh, USC still has a lot of good offensive players around him, and Miller Moss would have the benefit of having what is arguably the best 
quarterbacks coach in the country uh, coaching him. He would play well, but there is a drop off. There's a drop off. Um, Caleb Williams is a proven commodity. Miller Moss is not. And by the way, it makes a huge difference to a defense. If you have a quarterback back there who can just tuck the ball and go 80 yards for a touchdown, that's a problem. If the guy can throw too, it's a huge problem, but that's a problem. Miller Moss does not create that, some, that same sort of problem. What would they be? I, I think USC is going to be a, a top 10 team with Caleb Williams. Without him, they, there may be another game on the schedule that they would lose, but uh, it wouldn't turn them into a bad team. And by the way, almost everybody suffers when they lose their star quarterback. I mean, that's, that's, sometimes you get away with it, but if, if Alabama lost Bryce Young, they wouldn't be as good. They'd still be great because they're Alabama and they're loaded with talent. They have a great coach, but they wouldn't be as good. Everybody drops a little bit when they lose their best quarterback. I mean, almost well, they, everybody does. And they, 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 pay good, they, they pay good, too. Yeah, that's that's part of the parody program. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay, I, I will say that uh, the difference is the it factor. I think that the leadership skills of uh, – of, uh, Caleb is uh, is a plus plus plus. I think Miller is still working his way through by by nature of his personality. That's not a rip at all. Um, I think if I was to rank them pre rank without uh, Caleb Williams, I would probably put them at round number twenty, uh, number twenty two. And I'd say, you know what, I would feel comfortable with that because you can always improve on that status by proving it on the field. I mean, I, I assume if he would start against Rice. You know, they're going to name the score. Uh, you know, I, I think the test would be at Stanford. Uh, and that's where you uh, scrambling. I think Chris is absolutely spot on. I think when you have to play against a quarterback that has proven that he's good, that he could run. Uh, and we don't know, who, by the way, who Miller Moss's backup is. So how much is that going to restrict, you know, play calling and all that sort of business? So it's, it's an interesting concept. I think it's a very good question, as a matter of fact. Let's go to question number two. This is from Dave Zinkoff in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Gentlemen, if you could play for the Trojans under Lincoln Riley, what uniform number would you request and why? So uh, what new number would you like? 13. 13. You know, that'd be great. Now we could have a three-way bat. Offense or defense, Mark? Uh, at this point, it doesn't matter because it would be equal on both sides. I think that would actually be the fifth 13 on the team. You know, I, I think this raises all sorts of interesting. I think we should have a fan vote like the All-Star game. Who should get what number? Uh, what, what, now, Chris, what was your uniform number when you played uh, college football? 23. Okay, and what was the significance of 23? Why did you pick 23 at the time? Um, because uh, when I transferred to a new high school before my junior year, uh, I was the last guy to pick a number and it was the only number in the twenties that was still left. And so I, and so, and so I just continued to wear it after that. There was, it wasn't special to me when I picked it. It just, I had worn it for a while. And so I stuck with it. Now, Kevin, you're, you're an interesting one because we can see your number 50 there on the picture behind you. Uh, did you wear 50 at uh, St. Francis in La Cunata when you played? Uh, no, I wore a number 32. And uh, so how did you get 50? Uh, and, and sometimes I wore 77 too, by the way, just whatever. Uh, since we played, we had very few players and uh, you had to play both offense, defense, and I was also the place kicker. But other than that, uh, hey, look, I liked 50 the first time. I'll take 50 the second time. All right. 
So we've, we've got our, now I would uh, probably. Number five for you, Greg. Number five. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Smartass has to get it in. I, I asked myself, am I going to get out of this show without a you-know-who comparison with number five? Uh, no, I my number would probably be number 20. I wore that in high school. Uh, you know, uh, actually, I like 32, like Kevin, uh, because of Sandy Koufax. That has nothing to do with any other sport, really. But uh, also, originally, when I came into high school, I wore number 21 because I loved Warren Spahn, who used to pitch for the Milwaukee Braves. So that kind of was a young number. But, uh, you know, uh, in the end, this the number thing is personal for, for a lot of players. I think for me, it was personal. It's a comfort zone that you feel when you have a particular number that you've worn in the past. So it'll be interesting to see the numbers and how the situation goes uh, for Caleb Williams and uh, oh, Mike. And, and I've got some extra jerseys that are number 50, just saying. So, okay. Wait, are you in the senior citizens NIL program for USC or what? A nostalgia uniforms by, by, by Kevin Bruce. You can wear his number 50. Do they get your name on the back? That's what I want to know. No, hell no. It's not a, it's not authentic. All my stuff's authentic. So anybody want to, uh, you know, start writing me some nil checks. I'm good on that. <laughs> well, Chris is, Chris is a copyright guy. Aren't you? Is your, is your lawyer uh, expertise copyrights? Yeah. I, yeah. No, I, I've done a lot of copyrights. Well, there you go, Kevin. You got yourself a lawyer for your, uh, for your oh, I, I call, business. I'd call Chris in a heartbeat if I had a lawsuit. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> All right, now, I, now this is uh, the third question out of four. I think this is absolutely appropriate. This is from, uh, I don't even know if this is a real name. Anyway, it's from Art Achoke in uh, Norman, Oklahoma. I'm thinking no on the name, Greg. I'm thinking probably not real. Just <laughs> uh, I'm glad you unpeeled that for us. Uh, uh, here's the question. I know this is a USC program, but who is your favorite Oklahoma Sooner player of all time? Oh, that's easy. I know who you're going to say. Uh, I won't say it. Go ahead, Kevin. I yeah, Joe, Joe Washington, man. I was, knew you were going to say it. And it's all about that punt return, isn't it? Well, it was. 73, it was, right? It was It was every bit of that, but it was, you know, the, the, just the way he was. It was. He was hard to tackle, hard to catch, and he was just, he was the real deal. I mean, look, they've had a lot of good players. I, I just put that out there. J.C. Watts was kind of a cool guy. I liked him. But uh, Dupree was, uh, you know, not half bad. Uh, he could run the football. Look, it goes on and on and on. But Joe Washington was just in the class by himself. Yeah, and I will, I will say this to our viewers. If you can go on YouTube and watch, uh, bring up the 73 USC Oklahoma game, and watch Joe Washington on a punt return. It is unbelievable. I mean, it, I was there in the Coliseum to see it. It was unbelievable. It was like trying to catch a mosquito. It was un, unreal. Uh, Chris, I know that since uh, it's appropriate since you have been attacking Oklahoma today. Uh, That's not what I did. That's not what no, I did. He but was I, just calling it the way it is. No, see, there um, you go. You know, you okay, listen. Little, I, I don't friend, uh, Kevin, to defend you on that one. This, this is going so to who, just get to the point. Who is your favorite Oklahoma football player of all time? Okay, this is going to surprise you. I don't have a favorite Oklahoma football player. Oh, no, that's I've never liked any of them. I've never liked him. But here's what I'll say. I think the most iconic is Brian Bosworth. Thank I you. don't think anybody was larger than life the way Brian Bosworth was as a college football player. Literally, um, literally, literally yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, he, that, he was an extraordinary player, but also with the, with the personality, the showmanship, and, and, the, and the antics. 
I mean, it's hard to top the bus. Well, yeah, uh, with the, with, yeah, with the steroids, it was really kind of a cool deal. The, the half shirt, the neck roll, the pink mohawk. I mean, the guy was just, he was comfortable in his skin. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you who it was. The, the, the best one in, in Oklahoma was Billy Sims. Billy Sims was absolutely fantastic. Marcus Dupree was a big back out of, out of Meridian, Mississippi. He was, he was tough. He was big. Billy Sims was like watching a guy uh, dislocate his legs and, and chew up yardage so fast. It was, it was almost like, uh, you know, like uh, two uh, jelly legs, the way he was able to move and avoid tackling. It was, he, he, he was incredible. I, the other one, you talk about crazy for Oklahoma. You have to bring in Joe Don Looney. Yeah. Joe Don Looney was uh, really a whack case, but a great football player, great football player. But uh, the, uh, how should we say it? The both oars didn't go into the water. Uh, yeah. He got hit in the head a couple of times. Yeah. He definitely got hit in the head a couple of times. So uh, <laughs> thank you for your input on that, guys. And uh, our final question Uh and we took a little flack last week, of course. Let me set the stage here. Uh, the question about uh, pay for, for speaking, uh, it was a question from Trojan fan in, Al in Alabama or in Bama. Uh, and Mark was able to give a, 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 a strong case for his uh, perspective, but somehow Chris's computer went on the blank. He didn't get a chance. So let me just reframe the question here, uh, Chris, for your uh, response. Uh, last week, Trojan fan in Alabama asked this question. Is it true that Mark pays his way onto the show so he gets to talk with Chris every week? Unfortunately, as we said, Chris had a computer malfunction, was unable to respond to the question, which Mark did answer. Uh, in the interest of fair play, Chris, here is your opportunity to respond to the question. Is it true that Mark pays his way onto the show so he gets to talk to you every week? Of course. Of course it's true. And and in That's fact, I got the... I got the computer program solved with some of that uh, Culkin money. So uh, it's a good thing. It's, it, 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 that is true. And, and, and we all appreciate it. And in fact, it's led us to an idea. I actually have a major announcement to make now. We are the WeRSC Collective, which is going to raise large sums of money to give uh, to, give to uh, USC football players under NIL deals. What we're going to do now is all of you, everybody out there, even the Oklahoma fans, if you want, uh, you can bid for the opportunity to appear on this show and get and get the chance to talk to me. And then we're going to take that money <laughs> and we're going to use it to recruit football players, including especially guys who aren't yet enrolled. We're going to use it to entice them to come here, contrary to that fake NCAA rule. So please do participate. Let's see what kind of money we can raise. All right. Well, I think that was a fair response. Uh, in all fairness, Mark, is there anything you'd like to add before we uh, say goodbye? Yeah. To, to, to preface the whole thing here, please, Trojan please. Phantom Bama is a friend of mine in a text well, chat. That's shocking. Who would have guessed that? And he bothers me with some of the most ridiculous questions that I mostly ignore. So um, this is his way of, I guess, poking the bear so to speak well thank goodness we got that straight chris it looks happier for <laughs> kevin uh he's happier for i'm happy that's the checks in the mail you'll have you'll well, let's all see let's hold hands well in baker oh, that would be a, so who the hell's poking the bear who's so what the bear is that all about poking what is that? The bear? What are you into animal rights problems i mean what is the deal on that one culkin what where are, are we done
<laughs> yes, we are done. This we question are. was done last week. Why we even <laughs> revisited it, I don't know. So. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? This is a beautiful way to say that's a wrap for this edition of Inside the Trojans Huddle. A big thank you to this week's panel of the great Mark Culkin, great Chris Arledge, and the great Kevin Bruce. And a special thank you to all of you for watching or listening or laughing to Inside the Trojan Subtle. Till next Tuesday, this is your host, Greg Katz, reminding you all to fight on, everybody.